0: Hello, I'm Alan pons melby and you're listening to QUB Voices. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons license and we are on Twitter, Spotify and iTunes. In the last episode, I spoke to Maggie Murphy and Callan McGuern about climate change, ecofeminism, post-growth and post-carbon societies. In this researcher's Spotlight episode, I will be speaking to PhD student Jane Park about her research. We will again be discussing topics such as ecofeminism and post-growth societies, but will in particular focus on Jane's development of the concept of care in both society as well as in political theory. In the second part of the interview, we will focus on how Jane entered on the path she has chosen, as well as the joys and challenges of PhD research. So welcome to uh, this week's podcast episode. We're happy to have you all the way from South Korea to speak about your research. Um, Do you want to introduce yourself and uh, your research?
1: Sure. Um, Well, thank you for having me to the show. Um, Well, my name is Jane Park and I'm a second year PhD student uh, in politics um, I've just completed my second differentiation on my thesis, which is about a um, theoretical and conceptual piece on ecofeminism um, and its critical analysis of gender injustice and ecological and sustainability. Um, well, ecofeminism is a uh, body of feminist. Um, thoughts that finds the common dynamics between gender inequality and uh, nature abuse. Um, That is, capitalism operates to um, dominate both women and nature because it's patriarchal and resource extractivist. Um, And such domination and oppression are interconnected and intersectional. Well, in my research, I Um, look into the ways in which ecofeminism um, could have more explicit link to political concepts like democracy and citizenship, um, as well as political economic thoughts on uh, degrowth. Um, And in doing so, I take the conception of care um, to articulate an ecofeminist theory of the state. So, yeah, that's, that's briefly what my research is about
0: that's that's uh, fascinating I'm, I'm sure there's there's a lot to talk about there I look forward to exploring this with you um, firstly I want to ask um, wh- wh- why did you choose this path and, and and why did you choose to do a PhD I think that all of us who are doing a PhD or have been or have been doing one would know that it's it's kind of hard work and uh, takes a certain character I guess also to you know, you're working for something for three to four years and um, I guess you can feel a little despaired at times.
1: Yeah, I know. Well, yeah, it, it, it's hard, um, but it's quite rewarding as well. Well, because I find this quite fun, to be honest. Um, so the starting point was my interest in politics and ecological uh, sustainability or unsustainability. Well, I studied politics and international, international relations during my undergrad years. Um, well, you find a couple of courses on uh, like climate change uh, and how politics should relate to it. And I was fascinated to learn the correlated dynamics of environmental degradation and the design of liberal capitalism um, and how the current uh, growth-oriented GDP-measured economy. Um, is ecologically unsustainable. So I guess I can say that that's where all it began. Um, And then the idea was to think about how post-carbon, post-growth, alternative political economy um, that is ecologically and socially sustainable. Um, And this is where I came to choose ecofeminism as a primary topic of my thesis, because I wanted to imagine um, such a heterodox uh, economy from a feminist perspective.
0: So, so you, you mentioned a couple of uh, important uh, topics. There, I guess, um, firstly, the problem of growth. I guess we could we could call mm-hmm. it. Um, could you unpack um, why this is <laughs> why this is an issue? Because I mean, often you hear. It seems like it's almost a mantra in in, um, in, in politics. Uh, many parties run on growth, um, on on promising increasing growth, and and even in uh, amongst certain green parties or like sustainability oriented uh, political movements, there's talk about green growth. So, so I'm curious to mm-hmm. hear your thoughts on growth.
1: So, well. So economic growth is inherently defined as something that needs to be grown infinitely. Um and if it fails to grow infinitely that it means there's something wrong with the you know, what we're doing. And that that's that's inherently ecologically unsustainable because in order to grow the economy it needs to have something um, and transform this particular like resources into something, and that's where waste and pollution sort of uh, comes after. Many ecological econ- economists have argued that this is this cannot be sustainable because, like, how would you grow the economy if you have like finite um, earth resources? Because it's not. It's not infinite, the resources are not infinite, but what we're looking for is infinite economic growth, so that's where the problem comes from and yeah in terms of in terms of green growth, yeah a lot there are a lot of like positive signs of it, um but the problem is it is unpredictable whether that will also allow the economy to grow infinitely and if we think about why it needs to grow, why it needs to grow infinitely, is that to, you know, sustain our livelihoods under the ecological ceiling, or is that to uh, allow for us to enjoy like luxurious lifestyles? So that's the point you, you could think about. Um, yeah. in term, when, when we talk about, you know, the, uh, fundamental questions of growth. Yeah.
0: So yeah. So 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 I guess yeah it, it implies a rethinking a reconsideration of of consumption culture and uh
1: exactly yeah.
0: So so you also mentioned um post carbon societies and um do you see so so there I guess there's a relation between degrowth and a post carbon society.
1: Oh yeah. Um, so that well, we could probably equate post carbon to any sort of post growth or degrowth because the um, sense of post growth or degrowth it's not like defined like certainly it co- it it refers to a um, how can I put that uh, like a like a collection of ideas. So we are imagining. Um, any like heterodox alternative type of economies that's, you know, plausible. And we don't know yet like what they would look like. We don't even know if that's gonna be a single kind of, you know, economy or whether we could have like several sets of economies in the future. So yeah, I'm kind of sort of interchangeably using such terms if that's easier to understand, so yeah.
0: Yeah, I guess these societies would look very different across the the globe depending on 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 on, on where you live depending on what even climate zone yeah, you're in. Exactly. So and 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 how how does all of this tie into um to ecofeminism?
1: Um so it's about intersectionality, I want to say, because Yes, we all agree with that um, the current economy should change. Um, it, needs to, it needs to have like uh, less carbon intensive system, any sort of post-growth or degrowth. Um, but what if that brings some um, socially regressive results to some particular type of people? So my argument is that, yes, we could go like, you know, ecologically sustainable, but we also have to keep in mind that it also needs to be socially sustainable. So, for example, some people argue that um, democracy cannot deal with uh, waste and exponentially growing pollution. So, it, so the state needs to go like eco-authoritarian. But if you think about it, what kind of what what what, what, what would that bring to any sort of marginalised people? So ecofeminism um, considers like both kind of sides, because not only because it's it the future needs to be socially and ecologically sustainable, but also because they think that nature abuse and women the the oppression of women are interconnected and cannot be seen as you know separate separate things.
0: That's a very good point, and. Um... And also complicates.
1: <laughs> M- yeah, <matters>. it is. <laughs> it is a complicated thing. So yeah.
0: So in the in the global north, there's been like many many years of of uh, growth and uh, increasing in in, in well being. And and I guess there's an ethical problem also in denying that to the to a large part of the world's population by saying that you you you, you cannot grow anymore because we use the entire. Earth's uh, carbon budget, yeah, yeah. Through your research, has your way of thinking, understanding the world, like how has that how has that changed uh, by you getting deeper and deeper into this topic?
1: Well, um, I'm still learning a lot from reading, um, and well, definitely I've come to familiarise myself to yeah. with um, ecofeminism as an academic subject because um, well, this is my first. Uh, academic research, specifically having gender as a, uh, you know, central focus of uh, the research. So at the beginning, it was a bit overwhelming to have a grasp of the uh, sort of the whole genealogy of feminist philosophy. Um, And also, I've increasingly come to be um, interested in other sort of intersectionalities that's less that's less featured in in my research, like um, like ecological and sustainability and racism, which is well which is well addressed in environmental justice discourse um, or class struggles in seeking ecological um, sustainability and so on. Yeah, so well which makes my which makes me think of my uh, future research plans.
0: <laughs> I guess that the that the mechanisms underlying well the the, the patriarchal capitalist state and uh, sexism um, also applies to, to 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 many other forms or possibly all other forms of of, mm-hmm. of oppression like a, a privileged um, class or, or or sex that is. Uh, Oppressing others, including minorities. Your use of intersectionality there, I think, is, is 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 very fitting. But but it's it's interesting how how this ties into to the exploitation not only of of humans but also of of, of natural resources. Through your research, has there been like moments where you've uh, felt like a, a marked shift or? had a surprise uh, finding for example has there been like these defining moments in your research that you you will look back on and remember ah, this this was like important um,
1: yeah absolutely um so one of the one of the biggest sort of events happened to me was there was one time um, I accidentally deleted one of the drafts I had um, which turned out to be the one I was one that I was working on. Oh. Um, so that was a so that was a stupid mistake. So, um, <laughs> so ever since then, I just never ever delete any old draft, even though they seem to be useless, and even though you know they're just merely a copy of the existing one. So that's one. And and another thing um, is that well, this is more like a general one. Um, is that I often find myself um, not even knowing what should come next. So well, of course I do reading and refer to other political theorists um, and yet sometimes I it, it could feel like a dead end um, especially when I'm talking about very abstract ideas. Um, so for example, like one of the concepts that I'm articulating at the moment is political care um which i argue to be a central idea in a in a caring democracy um and by caring democracy i mean a uh democratic inclusive society in which care work is not mostly burdened by women um and by political care i mean as much as care work is um fairly distributed to s- citizens um regardless of their well regardless of their genders. Um, care itself should also be a conceptual tool in analysing like, political thoughts and, well, even beyond that, um, so, so, it, so it determines our way of um, political thinking. Um, well, for example, we make like political judgments based on the ideals like um, equality, justice or even individual interest, well, however these are defined. Um, And my argument is, why don't we imagine a caring democracy with this new idea of political care in ways to tackle ecological and sustainability and social and sustainability, by which I mean gender here. Um, So managing this whole thinking process has been quite stressful to me um but for now i'm very happy with the progress i've made so far and i know this kind of things you know this sort of struggle will come and go in the end
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it's you're you're dealing with um with very deep issues and at the same time very like abstract or imaginative thinking so it's it's mm. um it's no wonder that uh, sometimes it can it can feel a bit overwhelming.
1: Yeah,
0: I certainly know that from my own research. That sometimes you like you feel you're like banging your head against the wall, and then suddenly something like exactly opens up, and you've, you yeah, it kind of conf- yeah. confirms that yes, okay, this was the mm. right way to go. But how could you know in the process?
1: Yeah, well, you don't know at that moment, but. You kind of just go through
0: yeah.
1: all the way to the end.
0: Yeah, the concept of care in your in your thinking, I, f- I find like really, um, really really interesting. I mean, f- first of all, like in the let's say in on a practical everyday societal level, like care workers are often. Mm. I mean, they're, they're definitely not the the the, hi- the highest paid or most appreciated members of society, whereas they. Mm. I mean, by 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 most accounts, they really should be.
1: Exactly. Well, they're actually really undervalued and not really paid very much well. Yeah. I would say, like compared to other sort of, you know, occupations like bankers and other sort of um, people working in masculine industries. Yeah. <laughs> I would say.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's like the the pandemic has been, I think, great proof of that. There's people putting their their mm-hmm. lives at stake uh, and, and and trying exactly. to help yeah. people every day. And um, yeah, that definitely, their salary or the the appreciation they're given by society in general doesn't really mm. reflect that. Yeah, but then but then there's also you mentioned like in uh, political thinking that you're you're applying care there there as well so you're Mm. you're also taking it into to to like a theoretical conceptual realm.
1: this this work is essentially about political theory so um that's just essential to uh, address
0: yeah but that it's i i find that interesting it's um it's it's not something i have been thinking much about in uh, to, uh, applying the principle of care to the to 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 a way of thinking how how do you so so how do you how do you approach that in your writing for example
1: so this is not really um, completely clear to me yet to be honest, and that's why I said i'm still articulating this concept um, but the very idea is um So first of all, the notion of democratic care is important here, meaning that the practice of care work needs to be degendered first, and thereby, you know, democratised. Because like I said before, care work is largely burdened by women. And because there are some people in this society who just neglect their duty to care. So they sort of um, outsource their care responsibilities to others, well men to women, or reach people to you know people who are in need um, so basic, it, basically it means they pay for um, they, they, they pay to they pay to uh, the care workers so that they could do their you know care work um, so that's so that's the first idea. Um, to democratize care, democratize the practice of care, so starting from degendering the practice of care, we could perhaps expand that um, idea to the overall societal level um, in ways to dismantle gender gender injustice and ecological unsustainability, which i'm still which is what i 'm still developing.
0: That certainly makes sense to me. it's Thinking about uh, the infinite amounts of unpaid hours or like low paid hours going into that, that that are going into caring for family and which is still somehow still something we associate with women. There would be a certain paradox, I guess, introducing care into uh, high-frequency trading or banking. It just those. <laughs> mm. It just seems like those. Uh, yeah. Those jobs, like those jobs, although don't really fit together.
1: Yeah. Exactly. So I want to know how um, how degendered and democratized care could um, sort of contribute to making. Democ- democracy, more uh, carrying, so to say. So that's what I want to know in the end.
0: Because you, you're working with like new thinking, um, g- creating new uh, concepts, new theories. In in this process, do you can you identify uh, certain people who has helped or inspired you in, in developing your your work? Yeah,
1: well. I mean, just out of the blue, um, I just happened to take my first ever course on green political thoughts in my undergrad year, um, and that came as a uh, a huge inspiration to me. Um, it's interesting how we just encounter like unexpected gifts during our lifetime just randomly. Um, because, well, it's a long it's it's a long story, um, but I initially didn't mean to take that course. Um, The course convened by Dr. Hannah Parrott was essentially quite, you know, determinant in choosing my research topic and uh, and my postgrad research pathway. So that was quite impressive to me. Yeah.
0: In conducting your research, do you have like uh, research rituals? I'm thinking, also, especially. I mean, you are in South Korea. You're not at the at um, at Queen's University in Belfast at the moment. So, has have you developed research rituals through this time?
1: Well, yeah, it's quite an um, isolated environment, so to say. Um, but and this is not what I intended at all. Um, but I think I I think I have a, a quite steady pace in terms of work time and uh and progress um and i think for me it's important to work like bit by bit every day um but of course nothing is always that straight like um so 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 i obviously struggle a lot um and some sometimes just things could go really random um, Also, not not, not many plans that I made went very straight. (laughs) So, yeah, I would say the only type of planning I do is perhaps predicting how many days it'd take to finish a short, like, this particular amount of work, um, including the days I'd use for procrastination. (laughs) So... Yeah, it's quite random. I I'm, I'm not a ritualized person at all. So
0: So the t- the topics you're dealing with are are global and they are um, sometimes I guess even I mean there's a frightening scope to mm. the subject of, of of your research. How do you how do you keep in good spirits? How do you keep a a positive mindset working with this subject?
1: At least it's not an empirical one, because that must be very frightening. (laughs) So at least this is just, you know, theoretical and conceptual. So um, that's not very overwhelmingly exhaustive. So overall, I just try not to work too much Um, and having a good excuse not to work in the evening, especially. Um, so I just simply manage it by, by not working in the evening. (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean, I tried to focus as much as I could, like during the daytime, um, for example, by planting trees, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Um, like there's an app on the, you know, mobile phone that you could use. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's it actually. Yeah like i said i'm not a ritualized person i'm still exploring everything and i'm struggling a lot so and 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 but i know that things just come and go
0: yeah yeah exactly. so
1: that's the important thing i guess
0: <laughs> yeah do do you have uh do you have uh, any advice for um for, for people who wish to engage more with uh, sustainability, climate change qu- questions and inclusivity and equality, like all of the things you're, you're, you're working with, it's, uh, it's an enormous subject. And I've, sometimes I guess it can seem overwhelming.
1: Well, I don't know if this, if this, if this could be called advice, but I would say intersectionality is help. Not because it's just fun, but also because it sort of helps you, you know, narrowing down the subject. Because it's about like, um, like two or more different things that are connected to each other. So, well, although it needs, it requires a more meticulous sort of touching on it. But, um, but as much as that, it, it kind of helps you in just on, you know. Focusing on the subject.
0: Do you have any advice for um, f- for people who want to who, who want to start or thinking of starting a PhD? Uh, is there something you wish you had known before you got into it, or that would have made your research easier
1: along the way? Well, I'm only in my second year, so I'm not sure how useful it could be, but. I just want to let them know that this is a long process, that and and you shouldn't. Well, not you shouldn't be, but you'd better not be um, tired. You'd better not be easily disappointed by the um, tiredness that you may experience, and that you should be. You should hold that interest for at least three years. So, if you can get on with it. Go for yeah. it. <laughs> Otherwise, no. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't Good know. Point. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm still struggling. I've only been like halfway through the entire um, program. So yeah, yeah. And well, maybe just don't worry about your initial plan because that will change anyway.
0: <laughs> Certainly. Yeah. Thank you so much for this uh, conversation, James. It's been really fascinating and uh, interesting to hear about your research and i feel i learned a lot i hope our listeners um, feel the same thanks so much for coming
1: thank you for inviting me was a pleasure to talk to you
0: that's it for today i want to thank james as well as last episode's guests maggie and callum for talking about their research and climate change in general and for giving some context to the intersections at play and the challenges we face in understanding the nature of this grave issue. The QUB theme song is composed by Biha Wen. QUB Voices will take a break over summer and be back in September, where we look forward to a new season of podcasts. On behalf of the team at QUB Voices, I wish you all a good summer. Stay safe.